0: Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson, proudly serving as your host for the program. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And most importantly, make sure you're following and subscribing to the podcast for free. Wherever you get them, leave your five-star ratings and reviews. It means the world when you take time out of your schedule to do that for us. We're on YouTube as well, so subscribe on YouTube to the podcast to catch up with all the latest updates. Watch it each and every day. Share it with your friends. All that great jazz. It means the world when you do that. On today's show, I've got another exciting fill-in-the-blanks episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, and I've brought on my good pal Jason Evans of the Duke Basketball Report. It's the month of August. Football season at this point is less than three weeks away but still plenty of great time to talk duke men's basketball. Jason, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, man. Yeah, it's uh it's getting to be the summer doldrums are starting to wear off, you know. Yeah. We're, we're getting we're getting to where uh, duke sports are firing up again and that's always exciting.
0: A lot of excitement for football season. Year one of coach Elko taking over the program and uh also year one of John Shire taking over a program. The life of duke athletics, a lot of change, which is really exciting and energizing.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, uh, <laughs> It has been 40 years since we had a new basketball coach. Right. And frankly, it's been more than a decade since we had a new football coach to get both at the same time. And for both of them to to feel like, uh, you know, de- real departures from, from what we previously had, it, it is an incredibly exciting time to be a Duke fan. It's a time of as much uncertainty, I think, as we've ever had in the program. I mean, every time we see John Shire go out and recruit a new player, make a new offer, uh, any of that stuff. We don't know how Shire's going to use all these different players. And to me, that's sort of the most fascinating part of all of this stuff. As I look at the team, uh, you know, is he going to be like Coach K, play six and a half, maybe seven players? Right. Is he going to? going to be closer to Leonard Hamilton? <laughs> you know, play like <laughs> 10, maybe even eleven guys. I don't know. And and Mike Elko coming from an SEC program, I, I, I just think we're going to get something different from what we've seen the past few years from coach Cutcliffe. God love him. You know, did an amazing job, but I'm I'm really excited about, and, and by the way, I think the stuff with Elko people, people need to remember, it takes longer in football than it does in basketball. Oh yeah. In oh, basketball, yeah. <laughs> you know, look at, look at Arkansas, Arkansas right. is a top 10 team. They have like 11 new players on their team. There's right. like one guy, it's like one guy back from last year. And, and you can go, oh, yeah, but they're going to be really good. In football, it doesn't work that way. It takes like two or three years to have any idea what Elko is going to really do. You've
0: got to be able to bulk up the line on both sides of the ball. And, yeah, you've just got a lot that needs to be put in place for any athletic department. Football and men's basketball are going to win the revenue shares for your budgeting. And so you've got to make sure that those programs are off and running. Duke's going to be fine on the men's basketball side of things. It seems like they're starting to sell a lot of season tickets for Duke football for the upcoming year, which is incredibly exciting. All right, let's talk basketball. Fill in the blanks with my buddy, Jason Evans. I've got some statements. You just fill in the blanks. Pretty simple, Jason. You ready for this?
1: I am ready. Hit me with them, man.
0: All right, here we go. Uh, I want to talk and start here. The most underrated Duke basketball player of the last decade is blank.
1: So do I do I just fill in the blank or do I, I also talk about it, right? <laughs> yeah, go
0: for it. Yeah. You could defend uh, I, your pick. Yes.
1: I think, I think the answer to that fill in the blank is Justice Winslow. And the reason for that answer is this. I, I'm not saying that Justice is like, you know, the most valuable or, or most important guy over the past decade. Um, because we had Zion Williamson, right. we, had, we had R.J. Barrett. I mean, I can go on and on. We had Marvin Bagley. We had guys who had just uh, Paula Banchero. We had right. incredible, incredible players over the past decade. The reason I picked Justice Winslow is specifically because you mentioned that underrated. I think that he gets forgotten about a little bit on that national championship team. That team really was built around the incredible post-prowess of Jahlil Okafor, and then especially in the final four, we had Tyus Jones playing absolutely incredible basketball. Um, we had guys like Emil Jefferson, you know, who were experienced, play- Matt Jones, experienced players who played multiple years who were on that team. And then because Justice's pro career has been so marred by injuries, and it's really a pity because I thought, especially when he was in Miami, he was blossoming into something pretty special as a, he was essentially playing point guard for point a little hard, while, yeah. forward at his size. If he had maintained his health, I think, would have been something that the NBA would have been talking about, and people would have been really intrigued with. Uh, you know, I, i'm I'm not not comparing him to LeBron, James, but not entirely dissimilar kind of attributes and abilities. So uh, for those reasons, I feel like justice is overlooked. and if you if you go back and look at that season, um he averaged better than twelve points per game. Really good rebounder, had a decent number of assists. The thing people forget, he hit almost 42% of his three-pointers. Go back over the past decade, find me another guy who shot a bunch of threes and hit better than 41%, 42% of their three-pointers. They are few and far between, I am telling yeah. you. Uh, like Luke Kennard's sophomore year, which, by the way, was in, the, in consideration for most overlooked, <laughs> most underrated. Luke Kennard's sophomore year, he was pretty amazing. Um, but I went with Justice Winslow, and again, I think that people—they're just a variety. You know, the guys he played with overshadowed him, and then his NBA career—he he hasn't gotten yeah. all the credit he should. Key, huge reason why that team won a national title.
0: Jason, I think that's the right pick, and I think the three-point shooting is—is is, you know a good example of we haven't just seen—we haven't seen that at the next level. Yes, he's been injured, but you also haven't really seen that three-point shot for Justice. That year, And then you mentioned that 2015 team. You've mentioned Jaleel Okafor, Tyus Jones. You'll even talk about Quinn Cook and the senior leadership oftentimes before Justice Winslow comes up. I'm thinking about uh, big games in the tournament that Justice had. The Utah game comes to mind with the energy and excitement that he was playing in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight rounds uh, for Duke on their way to that national championship game. But I like the pick. I like the pick. Shout out to Justice Winslow. Here today.
1: All right. Let's. You begin. know. Hey, wait. Really quick. Yeah. Let me push back on something. The three-point shooting in the NBA. I, I just looked really quick. His last two seasons in Miami before he got badly hurt, he hit 38 and 37 and a half. He was like right around 38% on his threes. Totally
0: fair. Totally fair.
1: Again, the injuries change this guy. If we're yeah. talking about a 6'7", a 230 point forward who who can play the kind of defense he can play and hits 38% of his threes. Dude would be an all-star.
0: Yeah,
1: and it's just such a pity that that he's been robbed of all that.
0: The injuries absolutely factor into that. Yeah. Thanks for correcting me. Right, go on. That. All right, next here next we go. <laughs> uh, the uh, the most valuable assistant coach of the Coach K era was blank.
1: Boy, I really thought about this one. And this is
0: a fun one. There are a lot to choose it's from. It's a
1: fun one. It's a fun. It's a tough one.
0: You got forty-two gonna, years.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I'm gonna go with tommy amaker okay and i and i was really torn between tommy amaker and johnny and uh johnny dawkins and the reason is this um the the duke program elevated sort of went to next level i think after coach K's back injury when the team begins to ascend to become an unbelievable recruiting power i know that in the late 80s when i was there and early '90s, that's the final four run that creates this unbelievable, um, leg, you know, legacy and and reputation for Coach K and for Duke. But I feel like if you look at those teams, there weren't Duke wasn't bringing in a lot of top ranked recruiting classes. They did great in the tournament, but you know, I I feel like it was, you know. If you look at the 98, 99 teams, neither of which won a title. I mean, we're talking about some teams that had ridiculous, absurd talent, ran through the ACC like it was nothing, you know, hot knife through butter. Uh, And to me, you know, not that that's more impressive than winning a national title, because national titles are really important, (laughs) but it's pretty darn impressive. And and I feel like Tommy Amaker was the guy who helped, uh, especially on the recruiting front, Lift the program from where it was, which is great, but to where it went, which is truly incredible. So that's why I go with Tommy Amaker. I, I wish, I almost wish he'd stayed a couple more years. If I could have, if he, if he'd extend, like he, he left, I want to say in in '98, leading up to the '99 season. If he'd stayed a couple more years, <laughs> if he stays through 2001 and gets that national title in 2001, then I think it's a no-brainer. But I, I'm going to go with Tommy Amaker. Uh, I, I really think that. Uh, He was a lot of the force behind that great recruiting.
0: I love it. I think there's an argument to be had for somebody like John Shire in a way because talking valuable assistant coaches, now you found yourself in a position to be the head coach of the program to take over for Mike Krzyzewski in this one-and-done era. Jeff Capel, John Shire leading the charge for the recruiting that Duke's been able to have successfully. Talk to me about that line of thinking, the more recent assistant coaches.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, recency bias. It's very sure. easy. It's very easy to 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 say that those guys. And and I'll tell you that even though Shire is is the current guy who took over. If you asked me to pick between the those two, I would I would take Capel, uh, because I think Capel was the guy who who pushed us next level in recruiting. In, in, you know, in the past past decade, decade and a half, um, when when Coach K decided to challenge John Calipari for for the. Uh, for the one and dones and, and suddenly coach K was getting them and Calipari was going to his second choice in, in most cases. So uh, yeah, uh, in terms of where the team is today, I, I would agree with you Capel and Shire, but, but I feel like building that platform, getting the program to where it is, yeah, uh, is to me a more important um, part of the legacy of Duke basketball. And, and I feel like Amaker, and like I said, in Dawkins, I was torn between those two. To me, those guys are the guys who, who built the foundation and, uh, and these other guys built upon that foundation. So, uh, but, but look, no, no argument. If you want to say it's John Shire or Jeff Capel, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. Cause that's the thing. J-
0: We've only said four names in this discussion, Jason, and there are millions. It feels like that we could have chosen from. 42 uh, look, years I, worth of assistant coaches.
1: I'll tell you another guy. I, con- I strongly consider Quinn Snyder.
0: Okay. And, and <laughs> Quinn Snyder,
1: A, a people, I, I, I know some people who know some things about that nineties era of Duke basketball and Quinn Snyder pushed coach K forward in terms of technology, in terms of analytics, uh, in terms of, you know, looking at the game and looking at players in a, in a slightly different way. Um, I, 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 you know, I don't know if Coach K would have gotten there necessarily without Quinn, but but I know that Quinn was a guy who, <clears throat> who 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 recognized the value of spreading the court, and and of shooting three pointers, at a time when it wasn't as fashionable as it as it has become, and uh, yeah, I, that's another one that I could easily make an argument for.
0: That was the most valuable assistant coach of the Coach K era was blank if you have an opinion on the matter, why don't you leave us a comment in the YouTube section below? And uh, I think there are several other names that we could have brought up.
1: No no wrong answers. No wrong
0: answers. We love everybody. We love everybody. All right, let's take our first time out of today's program and our show continues here in just a moment on Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils here today is brought to you by LinkedIn. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, moving forward here on today's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson alongside my buddy Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report podcast. All right, here's a fun one. Let's talk uh, NBA here. The next former Duke player that hasn't won an NBA title to win one will be blank.
1: Uh, Quinn cook on Sacramento. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, Quinn. No, Uh, it's, it's going to either be Grayson Allen, uh, in Milwaukee or Jason Tatum in Boston. I would probably lean, I probably lean toward Grayson Allen. Um, uh, I, I, I think that as, as great a season as the Celtics had this past year and as, as great as Jason Tatum was, I think that if they're fully healthy, you know um chris middleton is playing for milwaukee i think the bucks are probably making the finals not the celtics uh Grayson allen is a key player for milwaukee he's signed with them for a couple more years they seem to very much like his three point shooting on the wing um and his tenacity and, and and defense and the other sort of you know things he bring, brings as a complementary player to them he's he's admittedly um their their fifth best fifth most important starter but he's he is a starter for for a team that I think um has to be one of the you know three or four top picks to win the national title to win the NBA title next year but if you tell me it's Jason Tatum I'm not even remotely surprised especially if they're able to yeah. pull off the trade for Kevin Durant lots of talk that uh the the Nets are asking for Tatum and Brown for Durant which is a joke it's laughable there's there's no chance they could ask for Durant for Tatum straight up, and I'm not saying Tatum's better than Durant, but at this point in his career, at 24, 25 years old, and Kevin a Durant, a decade
0: younger, yeah,
1: yeah, Kevin Durant, 34 years old. There's no question which one you take. Um, I think the Celtics recognize that as long as they continue to build on Jason Tatum, that they will be a NBA title contender for the next decade, for 10 years. So, but and 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 I think that if Durant gets traded. I think that it probably is to the Celtics, and it probably is for Jalen Brown, plus some picks and some other pieces. And uh, you know, the the notion of Durant and Tatum. Whew. So so it could easily well, be Jason Tatum, but but I, I'm going with Grayson Allen just because I love Giannis.
0: Yeah, I, I think Giannis is is gonna be bouncing back next year in a big way, and Milwaukee is a fun pick. Grayson, obviously not a part of their championship team two seasons ago, and it feels like we're going to the Eastern Conference here in this because the West is just so loaded, and uh, you look at guys over the years that have won championships in the West. Of course, Quinn Cook did get a ring with the Warriors. He did get his ring with the Los Angeles Lakers. Why not go get one with Sacramento? Shout out to Quinn (laughs) Cook for getting his new deal there. Uh, But, I mean, look, maybe maybe the Clippers bounce back. Once they've got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George – Uh, together, John Wall's in the mix and then Luke Kennard is out there at guard for them. I I was just, I, I, I too thought Grayson Allen and Jason Tatum first. And I too was actually leaning Giannis comeback tour over the Boston Celtics. But then I wanted the thought exercise of, well, who would it be out of the West? And it felt like the first one that came to mind would be Kennard on the Clippers.
1: Yeah, I I think probably so. And look, we shouldn't preclude the possibility that, um, you know, someone gets traded to Sure. Or, yeah, <laughs> that should
0: something. change everything.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's sort of ironic sometimes that the uh, perhaps less accomplished NBA guys are the ones who who get rings, you know, from your program, and and some of the more accomplished guys don't quite get there. But um, hey, I'd love You know, I'm I'm from Atlanta. I'd love for the answer to be. Um, Jalen Johnson and uh, and AJ Griffin. Yeah. my my Hawks got better in the off season, so They I'm did. About that.
0: They did, and you got a couple of Duke yeah. guys on the squad too. That's fun. All right, John Shire will win the ACC in his first season if blank.
1: There are a lot of fill in the blanks on this one. Yeah,
0: give there her are a Jimmy. lot of
1: possibilities. I, I'm I'm going to go with this one. If the team hits as a team better than 36 percent from three. And and more specifically, if Jeremy Roach, Derek Whitehead, and Kyle Filipowski, who I think, I'm not as sure about Filipowski, but, but I think those three, uh, along with Jacob Grandison, are probably the guys who are going to shoot the most three-pointers. But if those three guys are able to get it to about 35% or so uh, from three-point range, then then I think this Duke team is going to be in very, very good shape it's hard to keep up with a team that can shoot threes Yeah, and, and look, Duke could roll out, uh, you know, it's not inconceivable that Duke could roll out a squad at times during the season where we've got five guys who can, who can hit three pointers on you because Derek lively can hit them. Kyle Filipowski could play some five and hit hit threes. He could do a uh, Whitehead probably is mostly playing small forward, but he could slip down to power forward. And if you're playing a team that wasn't huge, it wouldn't be insane for Duke to have a lineup out there of Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor, or Jacob Grandison. Um, actually, Tyrese Proctor and Jacob Grandison, or, or Jaden Um, right. to go with, uh, you know, like I said, Philip Howski at the five, and derek Whitehead at the four. I mean, Whitehead has the size. It's not impossible to imagine if you're playing a team that, that was guard-heavy. And then you've got five guys who can all shoot three-pointers. So I, I think... I think Duke needs to take the right shots. I'm a big, big believer in the shot chart and taking high efficiency shots in the lane or at the three-point line. And and I, I need to see, and I, I worry the most, I think about Derek Whitehead and Jeremy Roach, getting them above 35, getting them to 36%. I, it's just gonna be really, really hard for teams to keep up with Duke if that happens.
0: I agree. I mean, we think about all the great Duke teams over the years. The ones that shoot the three ball the best tend to be the most dangerous. And this Duke team is going to have a lot of shooters on the floor. Shire winning the ACC in his first season. What about on the defensive end of the floor, Jason? What does that look like? Like if there were an if here defensively, does anything stand out to you for this team?
1: I mean, it's hard because defensive stats to me, at least in terms of the counting stats, don't mean a ton. I mean, sure. yeah, obviously block shots and, and steals are great, of course. But but as a team, I don't know that you go, oh, the team that blocks the most shots, that's the best defensive team. The team that gets the most steals, that's the best defensive team. I'm not sure that that necessarily translates. Um, I, I do think with a young team, it can be it can be tough. And, you know, especially if they're learning man-to-man. And look, we talked at the beginning of the show about the fact that we don't know what we're going to get from John Shire. We don't know if we're going to get a team that plays exclusively man-to-man, almost exclusively man-to-man the way Coach K has in recent years, or if we're going to get a team that that is a little more willing to, to mix it up on defense. I, I, I've said for a while I'm very excited about the potential of our freshmen on defense. I mean, Derek Lively, I, I love Mark Williams. Mark Williams, incredible defender, AC defensive player of the year. Derek Lively is going to be in the running for ACC defensive player of the year and he's going to be able to do things defensively that Mark Williams could not because Derek Lively has more foot speed and if you you know if there's a pick and roll situation a pick and switch situation and Lively finds himself on an opposing guard when that happened to Mark Williams that was a problem for Duke yeah. that will not that will not be a problem for Derek Lively which is why the NBA is going to make him a top 10 draft pick um so he's really exciting. And people forget about Derek Whitehead. Uh, Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, some of the best college players who are now in the pros of the past several years, they all played against Dariq Whitehead in high school. When he was coming up yeah. through the high school ranks, his teammates were guys like Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes. And those guys, Cade Cunningham has said, the best defender I faced at the high school level was the guy I faced every day in practice in Derek Whitehead. <laughs> I think Derek Whitehead is going to be a, a really awesome. elite defender for Duke this year. So these young guys, and then you mix in a guy like, you know, like Jacob Grandison, who's who's an experienced defender. Um, Jeremy Roach, uh, in, in his third year in the Duke program. I think this team has potential to be able to play really good defense. And I'm just really, I'm going to be really intrigued at seeing whether, you know, Coach K, we've got a super deep team. And I remember over the years, we'd have deep teams and I'd go, hey, this is the year Coach K is going to go full court press. This is the year we're going to, you know, try and just speed teams up and just run them into the ground because we've got 10, you know, we got 10 guys and then Coach K would play six and a half. Right. <laughs> Maybe John Shire will be different. Maybe I would be would very change. excited. Yeah. I'd be really excited to see this Duke team try and turn up the pressure. And 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 actually, the way I think you would do it, and we're getting so far afield here, sorry. <laughs> the way I think you would do it is, you would sort of have a version of the team that is we're pressing you 94 feet and we're just running, 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 running. And then you'd have a version of the team. And this would be the version with Ryan Young at center because I don't think Ryan Young can do that up and <laughs> down. But when Ryan Young comes in the game, you go, OK, let's slow it down a little bit. Let's play maybe a little bit of zone or something. But, uh, but you know, if you got lively, if you had like lively Mitchell, uh, Grandison, Proctor, Whitehead, Roach. Yeah. Out there out there running. Yeah. That that team, that team's out there. Let's just go, 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 That's up perfect. and down, up and down.
0: That's perfect. Man, I can't wait for this upcoming basketball season. Our buddy Jason Evans, he's on Twitter at Jason Duke Evans, and he is filling in the blanks with us on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. Let's take our final time out of today's show and give me the opportunity to tell you about our buddies over at Bet Online. Betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, Combat Sports, Esports, and even golf. Betonline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action. Happening today. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back into Locked On Blue Devils here. Jason Evans, alongside myself, for today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. We're filling in the blanks as we move forward here. Our next one up. Blank was the best in-game dunker for Duke pre-Zion. Zion's just otherworldly. Um, sure. And uh, and, and let's just Let's what if we said we like, let's give multiple people some shout outs if, if, if we want to, Jason, who comes to mind?
1: Well, well, the, the, the best dunk pre Zion and maybe the best dunk, including Zion, is what Dante Jones did to Virginia. The, the push up <laughs> dunk. I mean, yes. unreal. Uh, absolutely incredible. If there's anyone out there who has not seen that, please go, you know, just YouTube search for Dante Jones push up dunk. Uh, it is, I saw it live, not live, yeah. like in the stadium, like I was watching the game. I, uh, you know, uh, nothing like it, absolutely nothing like it. But I think the, the individual that I'm going to pick is Gerald Henderson. Um, who, you know, by the way, if you'd said most underrated Dookie and, and you'd take me back more than a decade, if I could have gone back 15 plus years, it would have been Gerald Henderson. Sure. Um, I, I, I he would, dude could fly. That's.
0: As simple absolutely. as it is,
1: and, and so he's my pick for the best um, in-game dunker, other than Zion Williamson.
0: Gerald is who I was going with too. I, I think of all the big dunks he had. There was one against Maryland in particular, where he stomps the floor a little bit after the fact. Oh, and I love that one! Yeah, on the effects, that was just unbelievable. G could absolutely get up there and fly. Some of the bigs for Duke over the years uh, were pretty nasty. Mason
1: Plumley was Mason- a is an underrated dunker. Yeah,
0: very much so. A couple, the Plumley brothers, some of their just simple reverse dunks that they could do so smoothly and in transition, top notch. Ma- top Mason, notch
1: Mason had eyes in the back of his head. I-, I don't know how he would get the ball sometimes and just go up and, and reverse dunk it, and you'd be yeah. like, I don't know how, how he knew that? that right. The rim was there, but he did. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was trying to describe. It's just like, how did you do that? How did you pull it off? So shout out to Mason Plumley for that. We said pre Zion. But I do also want to give some love post Zion and Cassius Stanley's ability to fly in the air. Oh, my. Oh, my. Like, whoo! I speaking wish we had of, more years of getting to watch him dunk for Duke.
1: Speaking of seeing it live, I was <laughs> yeah. at the Georgia Tech game. The, in the, the, the game that Duke played at Georgia Tech, he had two of those dunks where right. uh, where Trey Jones tossed the ball in the air and I went, is, is he passing it to the right. seventh was, row? Right. No <laughs> one's getting that ball. Where is it going? And suddenly, yeah, Cassius is like vertical to the ground. I mean, yeah. you know, perpend- whatever. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying?
0: Right. <laughs> it Unbelievable was insane. Stuff.
1: Yeah. Now Let's, that I, I know I said, Gerald, but actually you said pre-Zion. So right. I, I get out of it. Cassius was special. He was
0: special. Cassius was unbelievable. That's why he didn't come to mind because I had said pre-Zion and that's totally fair. Thanks uh, for coming for me, man. I said <laughs> while, we were dunk, while we were talking dunks, I need to give Cassius Stanley some love there. Um, all right. How about this? Let We started underrated. Let's end underrated with where our uh, filling in the blanks. Blank will be the most underrated player for Duke in 2022, 2023.
1: Okay. So you have to clarify this one for me. Do you mean yeah. like Right now, as we or like when we look back on the season,
0: that's a fair question to ask. What if we said right now?
1: Uh, right now, I'm, I'm gonna say Tyrese. Does Proctor. the answer
0: change? Well,
1: I I, I think the answer, I, I think change. The answer will change. Obviously, have over the, the course evidence of the to look at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I I think the answer will change, and I can explain. It. Right now, I'm gonna say Tyrese Proctor. Um, I I, I think <clears throat> I think when you look at what he did this summer, playing with the Australian senior national team. And I want to be clear. He was playing with guys who are longtime established professional basketball players, some of whom played in the NBA. Um, but these are, you know, 24, 26, 28, 30 year old basketball players uh, playing in the Asia Cup, which is a, a serious international competition. And he was like Australia's leading scorer in several games. He was routinely putting up double figures as an 18 year old that's that's crazy and by the way as soon as the uh, the asia cup ended and he went back to his uh nbl which is the professional league in australia which uh, you know and again the australian professional league is a very good league we have seen a number of very good nba pros come out of that league come directly out of that league um you know i'm not sure how you would necessarily equate it to a college basketball league but but it it's better than a mid-major. Right. These are, and again, these are playing against men. His first game back, he had 20 points. Um, I think it was six rebounds and five assists. I I think people are sleeping on Tyrese Proctor. We haven't, he hasn't arrived in Durham yet. So uh and and one of the things I said the other day on my podcast. Uh, you know, we were talking about surprising things coming up in the Duke season. Everyone says, oh, Tyrese Proctor is going to be the starting shooting guard by January or so. You know, he'll work his way past Jacob Grandison at that point. I think Tyrese Proctor may be the starting shooting guard on day one. I, I think he's going to be that prepared. And I think that people just aren't thinking about him that much yeah. at this moment. So that's why I think he's my current underrated. He's not going to be my underrated at the end of the year because I think he's going to play so well. you're
0: going to all the hype. Absolutely. <laughs> he's, Absolutely. He won't be underrated anymore. Yeah. So let's stick to right now, then. I like that. Tyrese Proctor, absolutely. Yeah. I, last week, uh, if you missed it on Lockdown Blue I was able to catch up with Kane Pittman, who is the ESPN basketball reporter for Australia, also doubles as one of our hosts for the Lockdown Bucks podcast. And he was absolutely raving about what Tyrese Proctor is able to do there and his transition here to the States. Gave some love to Jack White as well. Who's worked his way from that league to a deal with the uh, Denver Nuggets this upcoming season? So Proctor's absolutely a guy that stands out.
1: And 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 we interviewed Jack White on our podcast on the Duke yes. Basketball Report uh, about a week ago, and Jack White was saying how how much Duke fans are going to love Tyrese Proctor. Everyone who's really gotten to see this guy play, they're like, yo, he is he is it. Sure. He is he is for sure. real. And and I actually think I feel sorry for Jalen Blake's. Because I, I think, I think it is very possible we're going to see Tyrese Proctor get minutes at point guard, backing up Jeremy Roach, and perhaps even playing alongside, You know, playing point guard alongside and Jeremy Roach moving uh, to a more off-ball role. I think that's possible. You'll see that some this season, but but I really think um, I, I think Tyrese Proctor is just going to impress everybody the moment he arrives on campus, which hopefully will be soon.
0: Right, underrated. Uh, I've been the conductor for the Jaden Shoot hype train. Uh, We're making our way through, making some noise. Just a top 50 recruit. We talk about it often. Any other program in America is going to be raving about this dude arriving on campus. And in a lot of ways, he's an afterthought for this team. But what a shooter this guy is. Crazy athletic, too. Um, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to contribute for Duke. I don't know how many minutes will be there right out of the gates for him. But, man, I'm fired up.
1: Yeah, and if you've watched the 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 videotape we've gotten of the scrimmages of the sure. practices and the such so far, his the, the smoothness and the quickness of his release.
0: Haven't seen him miss.
1: <laughs> Editing is a wonderful thing, <laughs> but at the same time, no the 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 quickness of that release. I think that we are going to see we're going to see him. It, it's tough to peg the minutes number. I think it's probably. I think it's more than ten. It's less than probably 17 or 18, but but I think that when he's in games, he is he is going to be a difference maker because teams cannot leave him alone. And if you if you're paying attention to him, that means that it's opening up the lane a little bit for for guys like Whitehead and Roach, and Filipowski for that matter to 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 get in the lane. And Mark Mitchell, look, I keep on Uh, people on and on right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I was going to say, if you ask me for the guy at the end of the season, um, it's either, to me, it's either Jaden Shute or Ryan Young, both of whom I think could could average, in terms of points per minute, a, a really, an eye-popping. Incredibly kind of
0: efficient run. number. Yeah, no kidding. Well, we started talking underrated, and we're ending with underrated, something that is totally properly rated, and that rating is outstanding, is Jason Evans as a guest on this Locked On Blue Devils podcast. You're kind. Thank you. The time is greatly appreciated, as always. Do me a favor, though. Plug the Duke Basketball Report podcast. You've shouted out a couple of episodes that you guys have had lately, and I know basketball season is right around the corner, so uh, you and the crew have got some things in store.
1: Yeah, I I mean, we don't have anything necessarily special coming down the pipe uh, other than just getting excited and covering the – uh the the beginning of football season and and especially the basketball team in the basketball season uh we've been we've been at this since the early days of 2015 before the team won the 2015 national title there you go so uh, we've been around for a while i i i i'm not going to say that we were the first podcast to focus exclusively on duke basketball i think there were one or two others but but at the moment i believe that we're the sort of longest lasting one and uh yeah, uh Donald, Sam and I have been around for a while and have had a great time and and uh love our fans. And it's it's gonna be a very exciting interesting season, yeah. You know, as I've been saying, perhaps the the most uncertainty we've ever had in a season and 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 also one with uh that could end in some really, really, really special ways. By the way, can you can you hear my dog Cameron barking?
0: Shout out to Cameron.
1: Yeah, you can tell I'm a real Duke fan. Exactly. The dog's name is Cameron.
0: I love it. I love it. Jason, thanks for the time today. We'll do this again soon. Thanks, JJ. That's Jason Evans joining us on today's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils. And that brings us to a close. Thanks so much for watching or listening to the show each and every day. If you're on YouTube, press that subscribe button. We're on our way to 500 subscribers, which is outstanding to sit here and think about while you're on YouTube. As soon as this is over, you can now type in Duke basketball dunking highlights. We've been talking about all the great dunkers over the years. Just go watch some highlights for yourself. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.